Tyson Stelzer, our resident wine expert, has been a favourite member of our team amongst listeners for more than nine years. And today, he tells me the things he does around wine, especially sparkling wine and champagne. He also mentions his favourite drinks for the festive season. I know a lot of you wait to take down that information and give them a try. Well, it's wonderful to have Tyson Stelzer back on the line. You know, Tyson's been talking to us now for nearly 10 years. Do you know that? Has it been that long, Graham? That's incredible. I think we first (laughs) spoke to you, or it could be early 2015. Mm. You know, uh, a good long time, put it that way. And it got me thinking, you know, I want to know that we know all the things you do. And all the <laughs> options there might be for people interested in wine who mm. might um, want to talk with you or travel with you. So yes. can we talk about, I know you've just been away yes. in, in Europe, um, but did you take any guests on that trip? I did indeed. And it's look, it's a great question asking what I do because I sometimes have trouble keeping track of everything myself. Yeah. So it's fair enough that um, many of my avid followers um, can't keep up either. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Um, my endeavours since we first spoke in 2014, when most of what I was doing was very much in Australia at that time, I'm now doing a lot of work around the world. And one of the key elements of what I do, of course, is in the champagne world. And one of my favourite experiences is the chance for getting to tag along with me to visit Champagne for a week. I was first asked about that back in 2015 and did my first tour in 2016 because people just said, how do we get to visit the houses that you visit and have the experiences you have? And my thought was, well, you can't really because it's it's trade kind of in a house kind of closed door you experience. You know someone. That's it. And then when I brought my first group, I was just amazed at the hospitality that the houses offered and the intimate dinners with the principals and the chef to carves, the winemakers, and the chance to taste great old bottles. And I thought, well, there's something really special about that. So I've been doing it ever since. And last, or this year, now I'm thinking it's last year already, uh, we had four groups that we hosted in Champagne throughout the year, never more than 10 people at a time. And that's a really special chance to introduce them to some of the top houses and stay in the wonderful residence Eisenhower in the middle of the grounds, which is a very special private residence that we have access to when's your next trip i guess it's next year now yes that's right we've got our next trip in september lovely to go during harvest and see all the action at that time you get to taste the vintage from the year before do you yes and going during harvest we get to taste the vintage that's being harvested at the time so we taste the grapes we taste the juice we taste the ferments we taste the unclairs the unfinished base wines and then we taste the finished wines at different stages of production so it's a great way to get behind the scenes and get an intimate understanding of of the intricacies of such a complex process so if people want to join you or apply to join on one of these Mm. trips is that something available on your website is it Yes, it is. We are, in fact, sold out now until 2026. It's so popular, but um, we do have cancellations from time to time. So send us an email or just jump on the website, which is champagne.tours, and the details are there. Tyson, you are a great advocate. Uh, Much and all as you love champagne, the French Mm. product, you're a huge (laughs) advocate for the sparkling uh, waters coming out of Australia. Um, Yes. Do you still feel that way? Oh, never more so, Graham. We are in such a special place for wine production in Australia, of course, with the diversity of our climates and styles across the country. And our cooler regions have such a wonderful history with sparkling that 
to be honest, I don't see anywhere else in the world outside of Champagne itself. And I've been to all the great sparkling regions of Italy and I love the sparkling wines of the UK and of the US, but there's something really special. I'm, I'm in Tasmania next week, actually, and yeah. I love the sparkling wines being made there. We've, we've just launched, in fact, a very special immersion in Tasmanian sparkling at no less than Sapphire Fresnay itself, my favourite resort in Australia. It's incredible. Yeah. And we're bringing together seven of Tasmania's top sparkling winemakers and supplementing that with a selection of wines from Bucar Salmon, from Champagne, of course, and a vertical tasting of their top cuvee, Nicolas Francois, from 2008 back to 1996. We've just launched that, actually, so there's still a few sweets available, and it's bookings for that one are through Sapphire Fresnay. It's in August next year. If people uh, were looking to have a bit of fizzy for Christmas, yes, what should they be looking for, um, uh, both from overseas and as a mm. local product. We're in a very interesting point in the sparkling market right now, and I think we had a bit of a chat last time about the fact that prices are higher than they used to be. But nonetheless, there's never a better time to buy than right now because the specials leading into Christmas after the kind of uh, Spring Festival, Carnival, the racing, and yep. Black Friday, of course, the pricing now is in silly season mode. And there are great advantages in buying between now and New Year. These are the best prices of the year. The promotions that are offered on bulk buys are also worth taking advantage of, especially at this time of the year when you're more likely to use more than one bottle across your festivities. And my advice is, look, if you're buying a special bottle of champagne and you're getting a discount on a six-bottle buy, even if you don't buy six of that wine, you can buy six of something cheap and it'll probably be cheaper than paying full price on the on the one. So make sure you're looking around. There are some great deals around. And most significantly, I'm super impressed right now with the entry non-vintage wines of the top champagne houses, specifically Bollinger, Bilcar, Louis Roederer, Charles Heidsek, Dirtz, Tattinger, that sort of set. Yep. And, I mean, even Verve Clicquot, which is available everywhere, those wines have never been better and the prices are going up a bit. But to be honest, I still think they're outstanding value for everything that goes into them, even if you're spending $100 on a bottle of what used to be $80 champagne. I think that's impressive for what it is and the wines are better than they used to be. So um, they're also made more sustainably, which is why the prices are going up. Now, if I don't want to spend 100 can I spend half mm. as much and get a good Aussie one? Yeah, definitely. And I wouldn't spend half as much on a bottle of champagne because you're going to get something that's not of the same yeah, exactly. quality standard. Yeah. And the reason for that is champagne grapes right now are €8 Euros a kilogram, whereas top Tasmanian sparkling wine grapes are about $3.10 per kilogram farm gate price. So that's the reason that champagne is expensive because they pay their farmers more, which is not a bad thing. But... That's also why you can get a decent bottle of Australian fizz for half the price of champagne made in the same way, the same time in the cellar on Lees. And for a great wine out of Tasmania, I love, we've spoken before, the beautiful Bellebon wines from Natalie Fryer are exceptional and they're a little bit cheaper than champagne prices. For something cheaper again, I love Deviation Road in the Adelaide Hills and their Rosé non-vintage is about $40 in the market at the moment, which is quite affordable. And then the beautiful vintage cuvee called Salinger from Sepult in Victoria, they source from the beautiful Cool Henty region in Western Victoria, 
you can buy that for around $30, and it's a vintage cuvee, which is... Sepport have been making sparkling wines in Australia for as long as anybody, oh, okay. right back to the late 1800s. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's a lovely start. Now, what about people who like a red with... Uh, I know we don't eat always according to the Aussies. <laughs> we do still like, uh, you know, the, the big uh, British production. Of course, Christmas. yeah. Which yes. sort of begs of uh, red wines and yes. maybe large white wines. What, mm, what's sure. there in that uh, area that we could look at? I love the idiosyncrasy of Australian sparkling reds. And this is a category that really comes into duck, its own mate. at Christmas time. Eh? That's it. But the uh, good uh, thing uh, is uh, they don't have to be super sweet and yeah. super simple and super fruity. There are some very seriously made Australian sparkling reds. While we're talking Seppel, none more so than the Seppel Show Sparkling Shiraz out of that beautiful vineyard in Great Western there in Victoria. And that's a that's a you know proper hundred dollar aged for ten years in the in the deep drives under Seppel carved by the gold miners two centuries ago. You know, incredible history, yeah. incredible wine, the best in the country. But you don't have to spend a hundred dollars to get a great sparkling red. Bleasdale in the yeah. Langhorn Creek makes an awesome sparkling red for around about $25 to $30. And, in fact, there is a baby out of Sapult's Field in Great Western 2 called the Original, which is a non-vintage blend and a much cooler, more elegant, peppery, spice-infused style, not quite as rich and full as the Bleasdale from Langhorn Creek. And there's a wonderful contrast there of wines that work even if it's sweltering hot on Christmas Day, even if you've got white meats on the table and reds, it will saunter its way through virtually anything you throw at it, with the exception of Christmas pudding, which never goes with a dry wine, of course. No, <laughs> you've probably got to get to the sticky department then, don't you? Oh, you need a super sweet wine for Christmas pudding. Look, you, you probably need to go all the way to Rutherglen in northeastern Victoria right. and go for a musket or something like that, yeah. which is awesome. But if you're going to pull that out on a hot Christmas day, um, I would suggest chilling it to almost slushy temperature because oh, otherwise okay. it's going to be quite full on. Put it in the fridge, serve it at full on fridge temperature, freshen it up. Now, pardon my ignorance on this question, mm. but the the sparkling Shiraz, it's not Shiraz made the normal way with CO2 pumped into it, is it? No, proper proper sparkling Shiraz um, will be made in the same traditional method as great sparkling wine or great champagne yeah. in that it will go through a second fermentation in bottle and that process will then provide the carbon dioxide from the fermentation to provide the bubbles and that gives a smoother palate feel and a, fi- excuse me, a finer bubble than the straight Coca-Cola style carbonation. Traditional method requires the disgorgement process, which yeah. means that the bottles are going to be slowly rotated from horizontal to vertical yeah. so that the dead yeast cells, the lees, can settle into the right. neck. And okay. then, like you say, they freeze just that little plug of lees in the neck, pop the crown seal, and that allows the lees to be expelled, and then they top it up with a bit of sweetness, usually a bit more sweetness in sparkling red than in white. Typically, a, a sparkling white in Australia or champagne might be between about two and say 10 grams per litre of sugar and a sparkling red would more typically be between 20 and 40 because the tannins in the red appreciate a bit of sweetness to soften in the presence of the bubbles okay well there you go folks i mean you've got it uh, i won't say from the horse's mouth from the the wine master's mouth and uh that's that's great to hear so also i know tyson you do some shows to mm. use a rather broad term around <laughs> the country um, mm. when are they on next and where will you be 
Yes. So to, to finish answering your question on all the other things I'm doing, in addition to our wonderful weekend at Sapphire in August next year, we're also about to launch in the next couple of days a weekend up here in Queensland at the wonderful Spices Peak Lodge. Mm-hmm. And that will be um, in March next year. It's quite limited with only 26 guests. And another champagne feature up there, drinking champagne all weekend. Nice way to spend a weekend. And we've also got our Tay Champagne events coming up next year in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne in July and August. And then we will be doing a series of dinners around the country to launch the Champagne Guide, which will be out in June next year, the new edition, edition 7. And it's been now 14 years since the first edition, so it'll be the 7th. So you've been busy uh, working on that latest edition, have you? Exactly. So that's my job for the next few months to finish that one off. So do you do the research when you're in France on that? And that's the reason that I couldn't publish it three years ago as I would have in the normal release cycle because the pandemic meant that I couldn't get there because I can't write a book at that level of detail remotely. Though I do, of course, taste at home and all around the world, but I need to to be there to really get under the surface, which is the goal of making the guide a bit unique and, and updating it properly every year as opposed to just trying to figure what I can from the other side of the planet. Now, I know you're not doing the holiday uh, chief editing job. Yes, that's right. But are you doing some judging still? Yes, I am. So I have been running with Matthew Jukes from the UK a competition called The Great Australian Red, which is our little tribute to Australia's unique Cabernet Shiraz blend. And we first started that competition in 2006 and have hosted that every year and will again next year. So that's um, one of my little focuses in Australian wine show judging. I didn't realise it. W- don't they have Cab Sav in other parts of the world, even other and under, uh, under another name? There's a little bit that's happened in France historically, but the problem is you can't blend Cabernet from Bordeaux with Shiraz from the Rhone and call it Appalachian Bordeaux or Appalachian Rhone. So it's Van de Table, effectively. It gets declassified. So it's never been a particularly strong focus for that reason. Although there are a few examples that are quite good that kind of glide underneath the Appalachian radar. Um, and there's a little bit, I mean, there's occasional wines that come out of the States or otherwise, but it really just, that blend works for Australia in a unique way, and it's something that we've been doing for 200 years and do it better and more prolifically than anywhere else. So we've kind of taken that on as something we can champion because it kind of gets lost in big wine shows most of the time. They don't yeah. tend to have a class to feature it. So do we sell much of that into the international market? We do, right from entry-level it's kind of simple blends from across South Australia through to Grange itself, which usually almost always has a bit of Cabernet in it and many other flagships. You look at the very top wine of the Orlando group, the very top wine of Yolamba, they're all Cabernet Shiraz or Shiraz Cabernet blends, as are many of the great special bin wines that have come out over the decades from Penfolds too. Mm, Interesting. Oh, well, Mm. maybe we'll we'll be the blenders of note. That's it, exactly. Yeah, and the other thing I do, which is yeah. a little bit different, um, which I'll do again next year too, and just looking at some dates for that at the moment, is my foundation, my Teen Rescue Foundation yeah. I set up 10 years ago in order to provide funding for the wonderful groups who are doing work on the ground with things like university O-week parties, schoolies weeks, particularly music festivals and such, to provide support for young people and encourage them to be responsible in their drinking. Mm. And we will be doing an auction again next year to raise some funds to help to support those groups. 
and that's something that I take very seriously. A lot of wineries love to support too because the last thing wineries want is for their product to be abused and for it to have a negative social impact. So anything we can do to, to make that positive and to really set good patterns among young people for treating alcohol carefully and responsibly, I think sets them off for a responsible attitude for life. Yeah, my suspicion is they're not drinking wine though. Oh, no, most of the time, of course, they're not. But um, I think anything that we can do as an alcohol industry to send not only the right message about good behaviour, but also to model that too and to be good examples, I think is really important. And that's, yeah. that's crucial over the festive season. So I encourage everybody to definitely enjoy a great glass of wine or two and especially when it's hot, stay hydrated so that um, you can continue to enjoy the day with the people you love. Tyson, it's wonderful uh, to have the ability to chat with you on a regular basis. I, I know there are lots of people out there who hang on your uh, recommendations about mm. about wines and also enjoy Thanks, the knowledge that you share with us. So uh, wishing you a fabulous season and a great year for 2024 and look forward to chatting mm. with you again. I did too, and all the best to you and your family, Graham, and to all of your listeners. I hope it's a wonderful festive season that you have a chance to really connect with the people you love in a very special way. Graham Kemlo there with Tyson Stelzer. This is the Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.